Daniel who relocates and he's in this new setting and, and, and he becomes the target of, of the big bully um, that's, that's around and, and things happen and he meets this gentleman. He meets Mr. Miyagi and Mr. Miyagi, he asks him to train him so that he's able to fight. Uh, Miss Miyagi knows martial arts and, and they come to this agreement um, that if, if Daniel will just listen without asking questions, if he'll just do what's asked of him, that Mr. Miyagi would agree to train him so that he can be proficient in being able to defend himself against the, his nemesis. Um, and, and so the story unfolds, and Mr. Miyagi, Daniel thinks, well, I'm going to start, you know, just learning all this cool stuff and and all these moves and, and the things, and you know the story if you remember the, and watch the movie. Mr. Miyagi says, Daniel, here's what I want you to do. I want you to wax the car, right? I want you to wax on, wax off. I want you to sand the floor. I want you to, I want you to paint the fence. I want you to paint the house. And he, he puts Daniel through all this, these hours and days of intense labor until Daniel's just fed up. And he blows up at Mr. Miyagi one day and says, that's it. The deal's off. I, you, just, you just made an arrangement with me so you can get some free labor. That's all. You have me doing all these things. Only to find out that when Daniel's ready to walk away, Mr. Miyagi says, show me paint the fence. Well, he throws punches at him, and he's able to deflect and guard himself against each one. And he realizes in that moment that I've been learning things I didn't know I was learning. He was teaching me things that I needed to know. It was just he was teaching them in ways and in avenues that I didn't like. The church is in a time where we're in the book of 1 Peter. And the church is in a time where it's not popular. And the church is being beat up by society, if you would. The the emperor, the king is against them, the, the, the churches are scattered, they're objects of scorn, um, their values and their beliefs are being just trampled and discarded and discredited, and, and um, actually it became got to a point where it was pretty much illegal to be a Christian. Life was scary, life was uncertain, life was dangerous in many situations. And then this letter comes to the church from Peter. Now, Peter is the head of the church in Rome, but he's the head of the He's considered the head of the church, and he's writing to them. And they must have received that letter with such optimism, such hope, such excitement and gladness that, that here comes the help we need. Here comes the encouragement we need. Here comes the things we need in order to be able to stand up to the bully that's around us. And they get the letter... And they begin reading it. And, and Peter greets them, but then he starts talking about identity. Well, that's all right. Identity in Christ, that's okay. But even in that, then he says, even though now for a little while, you're going to have some hard times. Even though now for a little while, you love the Lord, but you're going to go through some difficulties. And the, you can just see the tone start changing. They wanted inspiration, and, and, and it doesn't seem coming coming through. And, and, and then Peter goes on in the rest of the book, and he says that if you really want to be able to deal, and, and there's some things you got to learn, and you got to learn some things like holiness, 
submission, suffering. And what we find out is that in a very real way, Peter was the Mr. Miyagi of the early church. They didn't understand fully the power of what he was saying. I'm sure that his words weren't as inspiring as they hoped they would be. They were instructional, but they weren't as inspiring. I remember a time a gentleman came to me who was part of the church and actually ceased to be a part of the church because he said, when I, when I come on Sunday, I've had a hard week and I've had difficult times. And when I come on Sunday, I, I just want inspiration. I only want to feel good. I don't want to be challenged. I want, I want to be given assignments. I don't want instruction. I just want to be made to feel better. And I said, I can't do that. In essence, I said it nicer than that and had a longer conversation than that. But that's the essence of the, of the conversation that we had. We're living in a time, folks, that I believe you're aware of. And not that we've never not lived in this same time, but it seems to be getting more and more intense that the church of Jesus Christ, Christians in this land, God is calling on us to grow up. Do you understand that? He's calling on us to be able to withstand and be able to stand in times that maybe we've not faced before in our social lives, our national, our personal lives, to be able to face and stand and not only survive, but even thrive in difficult times. And he comes along with the book of 1 Peter to us. And he says, I'm going to teach you how to wax on and wax off. I'm going to teach you how to paint a fence, sand a floor, and paint a house. And he says, I'm going to do that by teaching you about identity. I'm going to teach you about holiness. I'm going to teach you about submission. I'm going to teach you about suffering. None of them sound good, but if you really learn them, there's something to it that will empower you, that will enable you to not only withstand, but to succeed, to overcome to overpower. So we're in the book of 1 Peter. I've, I've taught the series in, not of, because we're called to live in a world that we're not a part of, and we have to keep those lines clear. Let's take a moment to pray. Father God, I, I want to thank you for this day. I want to thank you for this people, and I want to thank you for this opportunity. Holy Spirit, fill this time. Move in this time as we open our hearts to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're in 1 Peter. We're, um, the, the broad text is the second chapter, verses 13 through chapter 3, verse 2. I'm not going to read it, and we won't even be going through it line by line, but we're going to use it as a springboard into our conversation today, and we're going to talk about, we've already talked about identity. Last week, we talked about a life of holiness. Today, we want to talk about that wonderful, exciting word called submission. Everyone loves that word, right? Submission, yay! You woke up this morning and say, gee, I can't wait to submit to something. And it goes quiet in the room. And Peter specifically, if you read, as you read the text, Peter specifically um, talks about submission in, in three different nuances. He talks about um, to government. He talks about uh, in the workplace, in the marketplace. And, and he talks about submission in, in marriage. Um, and, and that's not the, the uh, totality of what the Bible 
teaches and, and how the Bible calls us to, to submit. The, the Bible is filled with submission. Submission's a big thing in the Word of God. It, it's not an isolated or, or a, a, a minor topic. It's a, it's a major topic. It, the Bible talks about submission in family, of parents to children. It talks about um, submission to elders. It talks about su- submission to spiritual leadership. It talks about um, submission. At the end of the day, Paul puts it this way, submitting to one another out of reverence to Christ. So it talks about submitting every, to everybody. Just living in this attitude, having in your heart this virtue called submission. So what I want to do today, just because we can't deal with the broad of that subject. Um, it, it would take a, a series in itself. I want to deal with the foundation. I, I want to talk today about there's one in all those areas where the Bible calls us to be submissive, to, to, to have this attitude, to apply this attitude in those situations. The one common denominator of all of them and the foundation and root of it all is submission to God. Our submission to the Lord, that has to come first. And so, and so that's where I want to spend our time today. Webster's defines submission as as. Um, being to accept or yield to a superior force or to the authority or the will of another. Now, we hear that word, and we can tell the truth. It's all right. I'm, I'm right along with you. When you hear the word on the surface, you wince. You tense up. When somebody says or you feel like somebody is telling you or, or encouraging you to submit to something, we, we, we tense up. It, it's, it's not something we delight in. It's not something that we, we really put a high, you know, a lot of our focus and attention on. We, 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 we don't like the word, and we don't like to consider the word. We are not even sure it's fair in every situation. But, and that's okay. You need to know that. That's okay. I respond the same way to, to that word sometimes. And it's, it's an inherited response. We've got to understand that. It's an inherited response. It goes all the way back to the garden. Submission was never an issue until man sinned. Submission to God was a delight until man broke God's law. And sin entered the human heart. Then suddenly our hearts became self-centered, became prideful, became um, independent and, and self-reliant, you know, which now makes submission to God something that seems foreign to us or something that we should resist. But submission, if we're going to understand it anywhere else, at first we have to understand it as it applies to our relationship with God. And listen, if we don't get that foundation right, if we don't understand and submit to the submitting to God, if, we're, if that's not in place, then it really is irrelevant to talk about any of the other expressions or or. Um, relationships in which we're called to submit. They won't make sense, and we won't have the ability to do it. So I want to talk about submitting to God today. It's also important that the kind of submission God, God endorses and God expects and calls for from us is voluntary. It's a very important point to remember and to understand. It's voluntary. In the garden, God did not force his rules on Adam and Eve. He gave them choice. They had to volunteer 
their submission to him. In verse 13 of, of our text, Peter writes, be subject, be submissive for the Lord's sake to every human institution. The, the word that he uses there is hypotasso. It, it's in the passive voice of the word, and that's important to understand. If it was in the active voice, it would mean something totally different. Because in the active voice, it would say, go make things and people submitted to you. That's the active voice, but it's in the passive voice, which means offer. Willingly offer yourself in submission to the Lord, to others. It says to every human institution. That's a, that's a big thing. But the point being, in our founding under, foundational understanding is that Submission that God calls for is always voluntary. Forced submission isn't submission. It's abuse. Demanded submission isn't submission. It's authoritarianism. And God resists those things. Neither are legitimate forms of submission. So today I want to look at just three avenues. The, the priority of submission, the model of submission, and the battleground, the battlefield of submission. Let's move right into it. The priority of submission to God. Here's a statement. We're called to first and continually submit to God. We're called as Christians. If you're a Christian today, you're called to first and continually submit to God. And if we're not going to accept that, if we're not going to implement that in our lives, if that's not going to be the bedrock of our conversation and understanding, then there's really no further to, reason to go any further in the lesson. There's nowhere, I can't build anything else unless there's agreement on that and understanding on that statement that we are called first and continually in our lives to submit to God every day, in every way, in every area of life. We're called to live in submission, an attitude and a heart of submission to the person of Jesus Christ, to the word of God, to the spirit of God that's in us, that leads us and guides us and, and directs us. Now, before you quickly, because you're all such great Christians, before you just quickly check that box and say, let's move on, I've got that one down. I want you to take a minute and just pause and think of the depth of that statement. Think of the, 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 the deepness that it's calling out of our lives. That we're to ex examine every area of our life, every thought, every motivation, every desire, every dream, every goal, every action, every involvement, every relationship, e every thought pattern, everything that's about us, we're to examine it against the standard of submitting to God first and continually. Our whole life, our whole being, first and continually. See, that means before and always. That means I submit to God, not after I decide what I think about something. Not after I decide what I want to get out of the thing. It, it, but I, I, I submit to God first and continually. Not only if I agree with what I'm being asked to submit to. Not only if it benefits me. But I submit to God before I entertain the thought. Before. I say the words out of my mouth before I hit send on the post. First and continually, submission to God. When I was thinking about this point, and I don't know if it's just my mind or, or I'd love to say it was the Holy Spirit, but I'm, I'm going to use it as an illustration anyhow. But 
when we were kids, um, we had free run of, of our neighborhood. Uh, and there was a lot of kids on, in our, on our block. And, and the only rule was you can't cross a street. You can, you can go anywhere outside, you just can't cross a street. So it gave us a lot of leeway. One of our favorite things to do, because there were so many of us, is we played tag. I don't know if there's ever a generation that hasn't played tag. Um, and, and you know the game. There's all these people, and somehow you decide who's it. Somebody's always it. And it has to go around and tag someone else, so they become it. And, and it goes on and on and on. And the goal was to avoid, what, becoming it. That was the whole deep game. I mean, it took a lot of concentration and focus. Just run and don't become it. That was the whole game. Um, and in the game, we always, our version of tag always had a home base. And if you get to home base, you're safe there. Because whoever's it can't touch you as long as you're at home base. Can I tell you something in a silly illustration? There's all kinds of things that are trying to make you it. There's all kinds of forces and influences and voices that are trying to make you it. They're trying to give you their identity. They want to pass their identity onto you. There's all kinds of groups and ideologies and labels and parties and platforms and people, and they all want you to become what they are. And they're doing everything they can to try and coerce you. And we all feel it. We all see it. We all understand it in, in various ways, in various situations, various influences. We, we get it. We understand. We, the point being, we need a home base. And submission to God, a lifestyle that's constantly first and continually submitted to God, is our home base. It's our home base. It's where we can be and know we're safe. It's where we can be and find what we need to be able to avoid and keep from becoming it. Say amen if you understand me. You're getting so quiet. It's important you understand. Otherwise, I'm wasting my time. There's all this pressure for us to become it, and it means that we as the church, if we're going to grow up like God is calling us to, if we're going to grow up in him, we have to get better at recognizing and avoiding and running from all the things that want to make us it. And our home base, our only safety, our only security, only chance that we can make that happen in our lives is living a life that's submitted to the person of Jesus Christ in every level of living, submitted to him. That's a tall order. But fortunately, we're not left on our own to figure it out because we have a model that we can look at. We can look at the person of Jesus Christ, who is the perfect model of perfect submission to God the Father. Let me give you a couple of statements. And we pull these from the model of Jesus' life. We need to understand that stepping down, or, or submission is stepping down into greatness. Submitting to God is stepping down into greatness. Uh, I put on the notes, hopefully by faith, that's behind me. That's our concentration. That's, that's to be our mindset. It's, it's a different way of thinking. Remember, the kingdom of God operates differently than our, our 
are human kingdoms and, and ways of thinking. It's, not, it's counterintuitive, stepping down. We step down into greatness, but that's exactly what Jesus did. Philippians 2, have this mind in you. See, change of mind. It's a concentration among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, his mind in us, who though he was in the form of God, didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. See, submission to God requires a change of mind. It requires a different way of looking at life. And we see it in Jesus. In this illustration, in this, in this scripture, we see that uh, he, he relinquished all his, all his rights. That's hard for us to do. But he, he laid, even though he was equal to God, he didn't consider that. He didn't bring it into the equation. He didn't sit back and demand his rights as God. But he relinquished those rights so that he could do something greater, something bigger, something more. It says that, that his submission to God caused him to, he had to take a lower position, not a lesser position. Okay, Jesus didn't become lesser in who he was. He's still God. He's God in flesh. He took a lower position. Not lesser in value. But lower positionally. It was the only way he could accomplish what the father had for him to do. Was by taking that lower position. He took on the form of a servant. He took on and became. He came in the likeness of men it says. That was a demotion. From where he was and what he was prior to that. But it was necessary. He had to take a lower position so that from that position he could raise us and reach us where we were. He didn't just sit in heaven saying, come on, what's the matter with you? He put himself beneath us so that he could lift us up. He was driven by purpose. And his purpose demanded that at least for a while he change his position. He lowered his position. And if we're going to live lives submitted to God, we're going to find that there's many times we have to be willing to take a lower position and not demand. Not demand our rights, not demand some kind of elevation in the eyes and minds of people, and then it, submission to God has to be unwavering. He became obedient. Even to death and the death on a cross, which was the worst kind of death in that setting that any human being could possibly experience. Jesus' submission to the Father was first and continual, continual. And here we see it was also unconditional. Even to the point of death, without reservation, without exception, he just submitted to the will of the Father. What, was it worth it? He stepped down to become great. He stepped down into greatness. Doesn't the Bible say that the greatest in the kingdom of God is the servant of all? He stepped into that position. Was it worth it? Verse 9, if you kept going in the text. And God has highly exalted him and given him a name above every name. That the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and earth, under the earth, and every tongue will confess. Jesus is Lord to the glory of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because he submitted himself to the Father. 
Bless the Lord. There, there's an author and preacher who's with the Lord now. His name is Dallas Willard. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. But he made a great statement. He said, submission is abandoning all outcomes to God. Abandoning all outcomes to God. That has to be our confidence. Okay, we have a concentration, but now we have to have a confidence. And our confidence has to be that even if I don't understand it, even if it doesn't look good, even if it doesn't feel good, even if I don't want to, I, my submission to the Lord has to be so confident that I do it anyway. So confident in his love, confident in his power, confident in his goodness, confident in, that he is aware and understands things a whole lot better than I do. At the end of the day, and I'll be the first to put my hand up, and I'm sure I'm not the only one in the room, but at the end of the day, we're all, we're all control freaks. We are. And I, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're, you're type A, type B, type Z. I, I don't care if you're optimistic, pessimistic. We all like to control. We all like to have, feel like we're in charge of our lives. And then Jesus comes along with this model. Nevertheless, not my will be done. Yours be done. Even in the point of death, Jesus says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He was the Son of God. He was God in flesh. We know that he could have changed the course in that moment. He could have called the legions of angels to come and deliver him. But he submitted to the purposes of the Father. See, we could try to control everything, and the scary thing is he'll let us. But understand this. The things that we withhold from him, the things that we choose to hold to ourselves, the things that we choose to control, then the outcome is on us. But if we abandon ourselves to him, if we submit our lives to him, he takes care of the outcome. The outcome becomes his responsibility. And I think it's better to trust the one who knows the end from the beginning than to trust ourselves who don't know nothing about nothing. Amen? Amen. My third point under this point, submission seeking from a different kingdom. That's our compass. That's our compass. It says of Abraham that, that he was always nomadic, that he was looking for a city that had foundations whose builder and maker was God. He was looking for something he couldn't find on this earth. He was looking for a different kind of thing. He was looking for a different kingdom. And Jesus comes and tells us, when you pray, pray this. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Why do we submit to God? Because our citizenship isn't of this earth. Not, not, we have dual citizenship, but the priority is the eternal one. We're citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And, and that citizenship and that kingdom has to be our true north it has to be our compass it has to be the the standard from which we pull our direction through which we make decisions our intentions our motivations everything has to align with what our true north is and that only comes by submitting our lives to the person of jesus christ each and every day in every way that we can possibly think our lives belong to him. Now, that kind of submission isn't natural to us. Jesus modeled it, but it doesn't come natural to us because of the fall, because of our fallen nature. So the question it leads us to in closing is, how do we get there? 
How do we get there? Listen, listen to this. Christian submission, submission to God, is a deep work of the Holy Spirit in your soul. It's a deep work of the Holy Spirit in your soul. See, the struggle of our submission to God isn't the influences and pressures around us. It's the battle that we feel inside of us because of those influences and pressures. The battlefield is, in, is internal, not external. It's what's going on in us in all those opportunities to submit. And we feel that tension. We feel that struggle. The battlefield is in us. And the prize for the battle is your soul, your mind, your will, and emotions. That's what God is after. It's also what the enemy is after. And that's where the battlefield is. The Bible talks about soul and heart. They use those two words interchangeably and is usually referring to the real you, the command center of your life. It's talking about your soul is the immaterial part of you, the part that is, will never die, the part that is everlasting, the part that houses your, your affections and, and your thoughts and your values and your beliefs and, and your feelings. All those things are, are you. And they're comprised in your soul. Galatians 5.17 and then Romans 6.7 and 8. You want to do a study? Go there. It, it describes the conflict. This conflict that we, we feel and we experience in ourselves. It's the conflict between flesh and spirit. It, it's the conflict between the part of us that, that has a memory of, of an old life and the part of us that knows that we've been recreated into a new life and the tension of those two influences. The enemy using what was behind us to always try to pull us back to it. And the Spirit of God trying to appeal to our spirit to keep moving forward in him, to, to turn our back on, on those things and to move in, into a, a life of sanctification, a life of righteousness, this, this new life. And those two, those two t they, they, they oppose each other. Flesh and spirit oppose each other. Spirit, small s, not Holy Spirit, our spirit that's been revived and renewed by the Holy Spirit. They're, in, they're opposed to each other. They're at war with each other. And we feel that battle in our soul. And only you can determine who wins. Only you can decide who wins. The devil can't and God won't. He's given you free will, which is the, the, the leadership of your soul. Your ability to choose on your own, independent of anything else, to choose. You choose who wins in that battle, in every situation. Now, you've decided already, if you're a Christian, you've made the big choice that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, and eternal life. But those are daily decisions, too. Those are daily battles, too. Those are daily skirmishes, too. Those are daily wars, too, that we have to own and we have to choose. Who's going to win in this battle? You just heard something on the news. You just got a report from a doctor. Your wife just said, your husband just said, your kids just did. And now there's a tension. Now there's a war. Now there's a battle. No one knows it. No bombs are going off. No, no one's even aware, but you are. And inside you just feel it. The struggle, the tension. And your soul rises up and has to choose. Because both are calling. 
Both are, the enemy's there giving you justification to just strike back, to retaliate, to do the stuff your flesh wants to do and your flesh just wants instant gratification. Doesn't really care if it's ultimately going to be destructive of your life. Doesn't care. Your flesh just wants the moment. You have the Holy Spirit who's in you calling to your spirit. You're bigger than this. You're better than this. You have power over this. See, there's, there's no sin we can be. There's no temptation that can come that's bigger than our ability to say no. Because the power of sin's been broken in your life. We no longer live under that old law of sin and death. We live under a new law, spirit of life. Holy Spirit in us, so no matter how big and strong that pressure, that tension feels, you can say no. You can walk away. You say, Lord, I'm doing it your way. I've made a commitment of my life to you. I'm going in your direction. That's where the battle is. And that's what the battle is. Our default is to listen to the flesh. That's how we're born. We're born into this earth. All of sin and come short. We're born and we inherit the Adamic nature. Our default is to pamper our flesh. But we've been recreated. We've been made new. We are new creations in Christ. And the flesh is old. The flesh has been defeated. The flesh no longer has reign and rule over our lives. But we have to choose it every day. Maybe Peter can help us. 1 Peter 1, verses 22 and 23, he says, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you've been born again, if not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. Peter's telling us something very simple. Peter's writing sometimes. I find it the way he writes, I have to read over and over and over to you catch what he's saying, but he's saying something very simple. You want to know how to purify your soul? You know how, how to submit your soul to, to, to God so that in those battles and struggles you'll choose right? It, it's pretty simple. He says, obey the truth. He's talking about Jesus, who is the truth. Obey the truth because you've been born again. You have a new life. Don't forget that. You're not that person that the enemy wants to keep reminding you about. You're not that person anymore. You have, you've been born again. That the word of God is a living and abiding in you. And you should be living and abiding in it. And the evidence of that is a love for others. A sincere, genuine love for other people. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in us. If you can see and understand those four statements, even if you're not perfect at them, you've been born again by the Spirit of God because they only make sense. That only makes sense to Christians. That only makes sense to people who... The Holy Spirit resides in who your spirit can say amen to. The fruit of what we're going after in all of this, the fruit of submission, a life submitted to God in every way, is Christ-likeness. Christ-likeness, that's the goal. We want to be more and more and more like him in every way we possibly can, but we have to choose to cooperate with the Holy Spirit who's in us. James makes it sound so simple, and it is in understanding, in application, it's a little different, but he says, submit to God, resist the devil. Submit to God, resist the devil. That really narrows life down, doesn't it? Sounds so simple, but it's not that easy, is it? The realities of life set in. But understand, those aren't two separate actions. That's not two separate steps. The, submit to God and resist the devil. That's, they're symbiotic and simultaneous. 
When you submit to God, you are resisting the devil. And the only way you can resist the devil is if you're submitting to God. Resist the devil. Submit your life to God. Win the battle. Win the battle for your soul. I've got to end this thing. Gloria, I see you thing. Come on up. We're going to end a little differently today, and I, and I hope you'll just bear with me. There's always more of ourselves that needs to be submitted to God. I, I think I'm completely accurate in saying there's nobody who hears this message that is 100% submitted to God in every area of your life. We're all a work in progress. We're all moving towards that. And we want to encourage and support each other in that journey. And where you're at is different than where I'm at. It's different where someone else is. But we're all on that same journey and that same path. We, we live in uncertain times. I think everybody feels that. You don't have to be highly discerning or even highly spiritual to, to recognize. These are difficult times. So I wanted to sort of put this message into real practical application today. I want to close our time with a time of prayer. This is a, this coming week is, is a big week for us as a nation. It's a big week. And it's coming on the heels of, of a big year. And I want us to take us to t give us opportunity to just be still before the Lord for a few minutes and even preparing our own hearts and our own souls for, for this week. That we go into this week not as, not as victims or bystanders, but as ambassadors of the kingdom of God, as salt and light, the preservative in the earth. So we have a clear picture of who we are. And out of who we are, we give us strength on the things that are happening around us. I want us to go in this week not as, not as commentators with an opinion, but as Christians with the gospel, with the life-changing truth that's real to us, and it's ultimately the only hope for any other human being as well. We live in difficult times. The, pan the pandemic still continues to move and attack and alter families, some forever. Tomorrow we celebrate Martin Luther King Jr. Day. We're reminded of the great distance we have yet to go as a nation when it comes to civil rights, when it comes to equality, when it comes to just giving and receiving each other with, with respect and value and, and, and compassion and love. He was arguably the greatest civil rights leader in, in our nation's history. we still have a ways to go and I pray especially in the church that gap is closing that's why one of the reasons I love this church because I see you living that out I see you walking out as a community and value each other and express respect and love and friendship genuine brotherhood with one another 
this week's going to be filled again with all kinds of political rhetoric, positioning. We have a media frenzy that's been going on and it continues to go on. This week we're, we're challenged. We have a history as a nation of a peaceful transfer of power. As we, as we see and experience the inauguration of a, of a new president, President Biden takes the oath of office. It's under jeopardy, it's under peril, it's under threat of, of violence. Then we take all that and that's on top of maybe some things that are just happening in your individual life, in your personal life. The stresses and struggle that you're dealing with, that you're feeling. The things in your home, in your family, in your marriage, in your health. All this stuff. Listen, I, I believe the world needs to see a church that's submitted to God. The world desperately needs to see that. Maybe your family, maybe your dad, your mom, your brother, sister, your parent, your grandparent your, needs to see someone, you, submitted to God. Maybe your neighbors need to see what a, a life submitted to God looks like, sounds like, talks like. Maybe your co-workers, maybe your classmates. I strongly recommend that those who are your friends and followers online and social media, they desperately need to see yeah. posts from lives that are submitted to God, that aren't just giving opinion right. or causing dissent right. or picking a side but are finding the truth of the word of God and sharing that, the love that God has for every human being and sharing that, posting that. That may not get you as many likes as other things. But if that's your purpose for posting something, then get offline. Somebody just got mad at me probably. <laughs> so here's what we're going to do. If you're in the room, why don't you stand? You've been sitting for a while. If you're at home, stand or at least bow your heads. And I'm just going to stop. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray to the Lord for yourself. You're only praying about you. You're only praying about your relationship with the Lord. You're praying in response to the word of God that you've heard and received today. You're praying about your relationship with him. And you're praying specifically in that area of submission. Asking the Lord, what's, what's in you that you maybe haven't submitted? Something you haven't surrendered to him. Something you're holding back for yourself. An area of your life that you know you have full control over. And the Lord has been maybe nudged you at different times. Says, you got to let me in. So I, I want you, if there's any kind of course correction that needs done, this is the time. I'm going to just give you a moment or two. Louie will just play some soothing music over us while we pray. And then we'll close our time together. Thank you, Lord.
Father, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for treating us and teaching us as grown-up sons and daughters of God, not as children. And we receive your word today into our heart and spirits and minds. May that word go deep. And may we benefit by the strengthening that it brings us. God, we need you. We need you more. We need you every moment. Father, would you please show us areas of our lives that may need some kind of adjustment. Areas where our submission to you is withheld. In part or in full. Lord, it's our desire to truly submit to your will and your purposes for us. So again, today, in this moment, we surrender ourselves to you. We submit ourselves to your lordship over our lives, body, soul, and spirit. Father, we repent of the times we've resisted you. We repent of our distraction. We repent of those times where we have failed to acknowledge you in all of our all of our ways. Strengthen each and every one of us, Lord, that through our lives we can reflect the kingdom of God that you've established in us so that the world around us could know it. Help us, Lord, through the way we submit to you Help us to show love where there's hatred, faith where there's fear, compassion where there's brokenness, hope where there's despair, joy where there's weariness, peace where there's discord. God, help us to better live out the life of Christ that you have lived into us. 
And we ask, Father, and I pray that you help us to even make this our daily prayer moving forward. May the words of our mouth, may the meditations of our heart be pleasing and acceptable to you. Oh God, our rock and our redeemer. In Christ's name, amen. 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 Thank you for being grown-ups today. Thank you for receiving and hearing the word of God. God bless you. Hallelujah. Have a wonderful week.